there's something about if you've been hiking all over creation uh, and then you wind up in a sports bar in the middle of nowhere in Montana and you they <laughs> crack open a bottle of Coors Banquet. Yeah. It just, it just hits the spot. I don't know what it is. Uh, I mean, it's a very well done beer. It's not for everybody. Obviously, craft breweries uh, like to give macros uh, a hard time, but we have to be uh, willing to let folks in and, and kind of strip away any sort of um, snobbish uh, pretenses. You don't have to taste every, you know, little molecule of what's happening in the beer to enjoy it. Just enjoy it. Yeah. It's good to remind ourselves of that every once in a while. Definitely. Yeah. Welcome to the Craft Beer Travel and Adventure Podcast with Living a Stout Life. This is where we sit down with creative thinkers, on-the-road adventurers, and craft beer lovers. Your hosts, Ken and April, live, work, and travel in a 24-foot RV in search of inspiring stories around a great beer. Welcome to the Craft Beer Travel and Adventure Podcast. During the week of American Craft Beer. Yeah. American Craft Beer Week. See, I saved that for you. I did. Because you started it backwards. <laughs> but it's all good. We started our week backwards. Well, not well, we backwards. Started, we started early. We started American Craft Beer Week early because we did like a little tour of but, craft breweries. But okay, what? Okay, we can start with our... So we're up in no, Montana, right? No, no, no. I'll, I'll work it in. I'll work it in. Okay. I'll work it in. You work in the butt? We started American Craft Beer Week a little bit early because we had a little bit of time off up here in Montana. And we are way up north. We're up uh, in Big Fork, Montana, which is just a little bit south of Kalispell, which most of you who haven't been to Montana have no idea what I'm talking about, but it's up in the northwest corner. But there are farther reaches than where we are in the northwest corner of Montana. Canada? Not that far north. But on the way to Canada, we were like a stone's throw, literally a stone's throw from Canada. And so we went exploring because we had a few days and we found some breweries in the thriving metropolis of Libby. Eureka. And Eureka. Whitefish. And you might have heard of Whitefish because it's close to Glacier. And Columbia Falls. And it's a cool place. And yes, Columbia Falls. The biggest of the big. But, wait. Yes, ma'am. But those aren't the breweries we're highlighting on this podcast, though. We will talk about them very briefly, but we're highlighting a very cool brewery in Bozeman. So, yes, we're still in Montana. Bozeman. 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 Bridger Brewing. Bridger Brewing in Bozeman. Because we're Say talk- that three times fast. <laughs> Say it. Bridger Brewing in Bozeman. Faster. Bridger Brewing in Bozeman. Bridger Brewing and Bozeman. Okay, whatever. I can't say it real fast because it's really hard to say. Anyhow, we're talking, this week we're talking to Daniel and he's the brewmaster and the director of operations at Bridger Brewing in Bozeman. And he is, um, it's kind of, well, Kenny's favorite word, bittersweet, but it's bittersweet for a different reason. This (laughs) is um, one of the other breweries that we're doing to highlight the craft breweries that Malt Europe works with and that um, for American Craft Beer Week. So we're excited to, again, be doing that with Malt Europe. But it's bittersweet because it's our last one. But it's not bittersweet. Because? Because we got to go to Bridger Brewing because we were on our way up here to Montana. And, and we got to sample. so we just made a point of going through Bozeman on our way to Big Fork. 
and we got to stop and talk with Daniel in person, and he gave us a cool tour of the brewery and had a sample everything that they have. Yeah, we had all the samples and, and their pizza. Oh my goodness. The pizza is fantastic, really cool pizza and beer. Uh and they do it kind of uh New York style by the slice if you want to. Big slices. Big slice. Yeah, big New York <laughs> style slices. Um but the beer was fantastic too. They have a really nice selection of beer and Bozeman's a college town, so you know, they have to have a pretty good variety of beer because that's... But they do all their varieties really great, too. So And Bozeman's a big... Really so, yeah, it's a college town, but it's also a pretty decent uh, brewery town. There's a yeah. Decent, how many, like, maybe there six, are probably seven breweries there? At least, yeah, at least. I'd say somewhere in that six to ten range, somewhere. In a town of around 70,000 people, I think, Bozeman Yeah, something is. like... Uh, maybe that big. Is it that big? Maybe with all the college students and stuff that yeah. come in, but um, there's some really good breweries there. I like Bridger was really, really great. I'm. It was fun to visit somebody that we had only talked to before and and visit the brewery. We hadn't visited Bridger Brewing before, and so it was really good that we got there and it lived up to expectation and everything. Yeah. So, but because there because Bozeman sets the bar pretty high because there's some other breweries we've been to before there. like Map. Map brewing is really fun. Map seems to be on the map for a lot of people when it comes to breweries in Montana. <laughs> yeah, literally map brewing. But they have a nice outdoor theme, and they're right on a little pond and, and, mountains, and have great beer. Mountains, mountains walking is another Yeah, if one. you want to go a little funky, get some cool, funky kind of beers and stuff, mountains walking, mountain, yes, mountains walking has some pretty cool, um, just interesting, funky kind of beers, off the wall kind of flavors, and good beers that you are just considering. No, they normal. had no, they had some really good, just regular beers too. Okay. Italian Pilsner was great, and yeah. and things like that. But and then Bunkhouse too, which is actually what maybe a block or two away from Bridger Brewing. I think so. Yeah, right. it was just up the street on the campus as well. Yeah, and and Bunkhouse, uh, at, at least for the breweries we've been to in Bozeman, it's one of the more I'd call it more of like a nano brewery. It's very small. It might be a step up from nano, but it's really small. Cozy. You know, just like seven or eight brewery. beers on tap. And yeah. it's a cozy tap room it's with cool. a cool little outdoor space too. But yeah. And there are more breweries. There's, there are more breweries in Bozeman mm -hmm. that we haven't been to yet. So I guess we're going back to Bozeman. And more popping up all the time. Yeah, there are. But speaking of breweries and American Craft Beer Week and our prequel to American Craft Beer Week, mm -hmm. just very quickly, we wanted to tell you our little tour, right? About where we went. Sure, let's do it. So when we started out, we did a little car camping trip this week, and that was awesome. Um, so we packed up our car and basically drove around for, oh, I think, like four nights and just camped out of our car, which is kind of cool. And then we ended up in these little tiny towns and camped along rivers and seeing uh, eagles oh. and osprey and bear. And yeah, that was it great. It was a really cool trip. We got to reconnect with some friends that we had met two years ago. We met Jerry and Sonia in Louisiana. Yeah, at Rutherford Beach, um, in the Gulf, down in Louisiana, near a town called Creole. <laughs> Anyhow, we met up with them because we remembered that they actually live in. They live outside of Troy. In Troy, yeah, Troy, Montana, on this beautiful property in the mountains of Montana. So we got to connect with them, and like, yeah, yeah have a we little reunion. Seen them in two years. That and was cool. It was really fun. They invited us to stay over on their property and. We got to hang out at the campfire with yes. them and, and just catch up and 
But before See, that, though, we were actually time. hanging out at Cabinet Mountain Brewing in Libby, Montana. Ah, yeah, that was a great little It was a little sunshiny brewing. day. We got a little bit of sunburn <laughs> sitting on the patio. They had great, um, like, Mediterranean-style food. And, oh, my God, the Cezanne was really great. We also had great conversation there. Because that's, you know, that's always been something for us that really connects us. And we met a guy named Seth there, who, uh, a van lifer. Who was trying, trying to get to make his way up to Canada. Canada. Got turned down the first time because he's going into Canada because he has a... Um... Don't tell all the details. We don't get a, we don't the Mounties up. Okay, fine. Chasing but anyhow, he's trying to get into Canada because he had a job in Alaska. And for some reason, they didn't let him into Alaska the first... Or into Canada the first time to get there. But then he was going to try again. And we told him, like, you have to tell us if you get into Canada or not. And he did because he has a job in Alaska. So he basically drove straight through from northern Montana, yeah. straight through Canada into Alaska. I forgot the town that he said he was going to in Alaska, but he said that when he messaged me uh, or messaged us on Instagram and he said that he, he got through the border on Friday and drove straight through into Alaska and was there by Sunday. So That's a long drive. <laughs> I think that was a pretty quick drive, but he said it was epic. Yeah. So, hopefully. so actually, that the, the it was too it was epic. I cannot speak. It was epic meeting him at Cabin, Cabinet Mountain Brewing, and then it was epic meeting back up with uh, Sonia and Jerry, mm-hmm. and then it was also epic going the <laughs> next day, um, hitting up Kukanusa Kukanusa Brewing in outside of Eureka, and that was like a cool little farm brewery. Um, on the yeah. middle of nowhere, basically. And so that was fun talking to the locals there and listening to live music and Meeting Barry drinking either. some beer. And the we're not going to tell you more one. about Barry because we'll probably have Barry, the owner, um, on our podcast. So you'll just have to kind of keep listening for that because yeah, he's got an keep, interesting story. Keep checking back on Kukanusa because it's it's basically, if you're going up through Montana, it's a straight shot into Canada. You go right by his brewery and... Might be a good stopover, I think, pretty soon because he's got some big plans there for that brewery. Um, and then, and then we worked down to one of our favorites, like Bonsai Brewing Project. When we fell in love with Montana a couple years ago, Whitefish was definitely, definitely right towards the top of the list of small towns up here that we loved because they had so much outdoor things going on, biking, biking everything, skiing, snowboarding, and they had Bonsai biking. Brewing. Bonsai Brewing. I already said Bonsai Brewing. Bonsai Brewing was great. They have a Bonsai funky, Brewing project. They have a funky collection of beers too, and great they food. Do. Food as well, but it's it's like a in a huge, beautiful, wonderful patio with all these weird looking trees and yeah, it's yeah, great. And they grow some hops, and and we bumped into our good friend Steve from the the Montana Beer Museum here that we found out we had no idea it's like 30 minutes down the road from where we're actually staying all summer so we're so going to go visit Steve soon too you can also stay tuned for Look Steve forward to that. from a podcast about the Montana Beer Museum he's oh got so gosh. much history and so many things to talk about that I think you'll find it interesting even if you don't come to Montana exactly yeah exactly. and then um, after Bonsai we were pretty close to Columbia Falls so we had to stop at Columbia Falls at uh, Backslope Brewing mm-hmm. Which, um, Which we had met one of their brewers that day at over Bonsai. at Bonsai Brewing. He was hanging out at Bonsai for a minute. And so, of course, we had to go to his brewery, too. Which, great. <laughs> we didn't. Oh, I had their cookie, though. Their cookie was really good. We had already eaten at Bonsai, so we ate there. But their cookie at uh, Backslope was good. And the beer was good. But we've Monster heard their food cookie. is good. But where I was going with this, too, because you're talking about community. And we met up with the brewer at Bonsai. And we met up with all these people. That is exactly 
what um, Daniel does at Bridge of Brewing. His whole thing mm-hmm. is community, and he wants to connect people. So, like I was saying, that you kind of, in a way, he builds these bridges. It's like to craft beer and community. <laughs> Hence the title of the podcast, ha. Because, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, Bridge of Brewing is named after a mountain slope, a mountain there, mm-hmm. a mountain peak there. But it makes sense that it's a like a bridge as well to community. Yeah. Very well put. Wasn't that well put? Okay. It was, and a nice segue. So maybe we should be quiet, actually. Yeah, and let um, <laughs> Daniel do some talking because this whole episode is actually um, focused on Bridger Brewing in Bozeman. And for, not so much us. Yeah, for, <laughs> for American Craft Beer Week. Um, thanks to Malt Europe for putting this together. So. All right, well, we'll tell you about the baby eagles next time. So from here, we'll get, turn it over to Daniel. Yeah, so, so I'm, I'm Daniel Pollard. I'm the brewmaster and director of operations for Bridger Brewing here in Bozeman, Montana. Um, I'm our first employee. I've been here since we opened uh, in 2013. Um, yeah, I currently, what do I do? What don't I do, I guess? I, uh, <laughs> I'm serving on the board uh, for the Montana Brewers Association. Um, I serve on the safety committee for the Master Brewers Association of the Americas. Uh, just very involved. I do some consulting work for the university on on manufacturing practices and all that sort of fun stuff. Um, the brewery itself, uh, like I mentioned, Bridger Brewing has been around since 2013. Uh, it was actually founded by three friends, David Breck, David Sigler, and Jim Eberhard. Um, and they kind of got their start, I guess, as far back as 2007 or so. Uh, David Sigler and David Breck started an engineering firm together. And David Breck's always wanted to have a group. Uh, he, he worked in the industry um, years ago when he was kind of in, in college and a little bit after that. And so he always had this uh, this plan of someday having his own place and getting away from the, the civil engineering side. And uh, so they kind of started home brewing and doing a bunch of that type of uh, side work uh, around 2007. And things got a little bit more serious uh, towards 2011. Um, they actually started putting their plans together um, business plan, all that fun stuff. They brought their friend Jim uh, on board to kind of help handle the kitchen side of things uh, since he's our kind of food guru. And then uh, they had a little bit of a delay, but uh, by the end of, of 2012, we're, we're getting ready to open. So they hired me. I was brewing uh, for a different brewery over on the Oregon coast called the Pelican Pub and Brewery. Uh, and so I moved uh, out here with my, my wife and two kids and uh, it was two kids at the time it's now three kids um and so yeah we uh, we got everything up and running march of uh 2013 man you are a busy guy brewers guild uh, safety safety role had another kid and you found it some spare time to brew <laughs> <laughs> how did you get into the brewing industry like where did that piece come just from? a bit yeah yeah yeah, so that was actually, uh, I was homebrewing. I, I was running a warehouse for a big box chain, um, kind of in, in 07. And uh, my wife actually suggested I, I take the homebrewing and, and do what a lot of people do and try to turn that into a career. So I was very fortunate in that uh, I was able to get a, at first a part-time job uh, at Pelican and turn that then into a full-time job. Um, and then brewed there for, for several years uh, until this opportunity in Montana. And I kind of opened up, went and did my my brewing uh, diploma while I was at Pelican. Um, and yeah, so I've been, been doing that since about 2009 full time. So along so. those lines, then what, um, I don't know, what makes your heart go thump, thump, thump? What are you most passionate about in like the brewing industry or even with Bridger Brewing itself? 
Yeah. Um, I guess with, uh, you know, the industry as a whole, and we do this a lot at Bridger Brewing, it's, you know, kind of our community outreach uh, really gets me excited being able to, to leverage our position um, as kind of community gathering places to help draw attention to, you know, good causes, uh, cool nonprofits, folks just doing fun, exciting stuff to kind of improve everybody's lives. Um, and so, you know, like a lot of breweries who do pint nights or collaboration beers, um, you know, we, we like, uh, we like to do that stuff as well. And uh, it's just a, it's a great way to connect with our community and, and feel like we're, you know, making a difference apart, you know, apart and above just running a business uh, helps us feel really engaged. On the other side as well, um, you know, diversity in our industry is something I'm I'm super passionate about and, and helping new folks uh, who maybe weren't traditionally involved in the brewing industry to come in and, and bring some cool new perspectives and, and backgrounds and life stories and skills to the industry and kind of get away from, you know, what's been not traditional, but, you know, like the, since the, the 70s and 80s and 90s, um, it's, it's been kind of a monoculture in brewing. And we're definitely seeing that improve. Uh, so I'm definitely uh, passionate about helping our industry grow and, and diversify and, uh, and just become a more interesting, fun, inclusive place for, uh, for everybody. You feel like there's been um, a lot of headway just this last year over that? I mean, there's been a lot of talk, you know, aimed at craft beer and also outside of craft beer, you know, as far as diversity goes and inclusion and, Sure. you know, quality and that type of thing. Yeah. I, I mean, it's hard to say I, I haven't been boots on the ground uh, yeah. for the last year, so it's tough to get out and about. And, you know, it's always uh, kind of a fun lit- litmus test when you go to conferences or, or brew festivals and kind of get, uh, you know, kind of an eyeball on the crowd and, and see what our demographics are like. Uh, there've definitely been a lot more good conversations over the last year. I think that's one of the benefits of COVID is we've had a little bit of time maybe to slow down and kind of recalibrate a little bit and uh, kind of look ourselves in the mirror. Of course uh, we've had a lot of, you know, more societal discussions uh, on a larger scale that are taking place. And I think that's kind of helped to spur some of those conversations in our industry, which is, I think, a good thing, especially for the overall health of the industry moving forward. Um, but as far as uh, if we've made good good headway, I guess we'll know once, uh, you know, vaccines have started rolling out, we start to be able to fully reopen our tap rooms um, and kind of, you know, check in with everybody, see how everybody's doing. So. Yeah, I guess that is the thing that kind of tells the tale is who shows up in the tap room and who's out there. And and that's a hard gauge to see right now. <laughs> it is. It is. I definitely think, you know, we're, we're blessed being where we are in Bozeman. We're on a, on a university campus. Um, you know, Montana is not known for its, uh, its diversity overall. Um, but thankfully being in a college town, we're definitely more, uh, a more diverse portion of the state. And so we, we tend to see a, a pretty nice cross section of our local, uh, population, but I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to once things fully reopen, we can start to get people in again. And, you know, it's not just diversifying our work industry, but it's also our customer base as well. And kind of making it a more inclusive place for, for where people can kind of feel like they can come in and, and partake and enjoy without being excluded for whatever reason. So. You mentioned um, kind of backing up and being able to do a little bit more with that as a positive side of COVID. Do you see any other types of ways that COVID has had kind of a positive spin on things? You know, that typical silver lining kind of. That is a good question. Um, 
yeah, overall silver linings. I mean, for, for us, it's definitely given us time to kind of slow down a little bit, um, reevaluate our overall business operations, implement a few things that we maybe didn't have time to do before. Um, you know, we don't normally do things like brew lager, for example, which is a style I like. And uh, we've had that opportunity uh, with our production slowdown at our brew pub to be able to do some of that and, and try out some new recipes and things like that. And, you know, you feel like when you're not maybe in as big a rush all the time just to make product and, and get beer out the door, uh, you have a bit more time maybe to sit down with your coworkers, maybe not face to face, but socially distant or, or on uh, team meetings and things like that and kind of just chat and kind of check in with everybody and have, have better conversations. So I think that's been a silver lining. Um, I would like to see that continue. And then on the other end of things, like what's one of the biggest challenges you've seen this past year? with COVID or just with owning a, or with running a brewery. Right. I mean, yeah, owning a brewery in, in general is not as easy as a lot of people think. Um, you know, you've kind of got uh, manufacturing and um, restaurant essentially. So you kind of, it's a fine balancing act with, uh, with labor and, and all that sort of stuff. And then, yeah, you throw a global pandemic and it really just turns the whole thing on its head. Um, yeah, biggest challenge, obviously, I think for everybody uh, has has been COVID, right? I mean, we we look at the sheer number of businesses that have closed, you know, not to get too down, but, you know, the sheer number of, of folks who've passed away um, in this country and abroad. So that's definitely been the biggest challenge. You know, for us, it's uh, been a learning process, trying to navigate just like a lot of businesses are, navigating state, local, federal requirements, trying to be as safe as possible while running a business uh, is, is just a huge challenge. Um, I feel like we've done a pretty good job, but, uh, you know, we're, we're definitely, there's, there's a big luck factor as well because there have been so many breweries and businesses in general that have done a great job. And for one reason or another, they're just not, maybe they've already closed or they're just not going to be able to make it through this. So it's it's kind of a bittersweet thing to be you know able to to say we've successfully so far navigated this but uh you know that that bitter side of that is is knowing that a lot of folks uh did everything right and and just won't be able to part of uh navigating that i think you guys have uh bridger has a second location getting ready to open up soon right i believe yeah we do we're actually uh Yep, in Three Forks, which is about uh, about 40 minutes uh, west of Bozeman, uh, right along I-90 there. So we're just outside of the town of Three Forks. But yeah, we're actually breaking ground um, on the 22nd of this month of March. So uh, that's very exciting. It's been challenging trying to, you know, that's one of the silver lining things is we've, we've been able to kind of uh, keep ourselves busy um, with focusing on this new project. Um, but it's, uh, it's a lot to juggle. We, you know, we were supposed to open basically a year ago and COVID really threw a wrench in the works there. We've been working on our production facility plans seriously since about 2015. Um, so, you know, you take a good five year chunk of time and then, uh, outside of your own control, a pandemic comes along and, and of course banks are, are busy making uh, essential loans for PPP and things like that to, just to help businesses stay open. So of course that's got to be the priority. Uh, so we were, we were on one hand happy to be able to kind of take a step back and collect ourselves and make sure we had everything really dialed in. So now things are starting to kind of, everybody's looking ahead and we want to make sure we're positioning ourselves to take advantage of that. And so 
we're getting ready to open this big new facility. So we bought 250 acres outside of town. Uh, we're developing it right now. Like I said, groundbreaking is on the 22nd. Uh, the first phase will have uh, a, a restaurant that's owned by a different uh, concern. Uh, and then we've got our manufacturing facility, which is about 10,000 square feet uh, of, of craft beer and, and other beverages, because that's one thing we've kind of taken out of this as well, is flexibility uh, is really key in maximizing your business opportunity, not just in a pandemic, but just in general. We've seen it with can supply. We've seen it with uh, consumer tastes shifting to things like seltzers or non-alcoholic or dealkalized beer. Um, so we're kind of approaching this new project, not just as a craft brewery, which it will be, but uh, it'll have the ability to kind of uh, take on a few other different product lines as well to diversify our portfolio. Well, and you guys have plans for, uh, for this new place. I, I think I was reading on online that uh, you have a concert venue you're going to have at this new space, right? Yeah, we'll actually have two concert venues. So we've, oh, wow. we've got a, hit, a big music history um, at Bridger Brewing. We've been doing parking lot concerts basically since we opened uh, during the summer. We get beautiful summers here in Montana. And uh, the, the perk of a, con of a concert in your parking lot is it's super close by. The downside is, of course, you're naturally limited uh, by the, the geography. So when we found this 250 acre property, that was one of the first things we thought about is like, wow, we really have a cool opportunity here to take our music to the next level. So uh, right now what we're working on with the initial building and restaurant is we will have a smaller venue kind of off the back patio, which will be similar in size to what we do with our parking lot shows, kind of that uh, say thousand to 2000 person capacity. Um, and we've had great luck with that. We've attracted some really cool bands from Trampled by Turtles, Lake Street Dive, uh, Deltron, uh, lots of cool variety. And so we'll continue to do that at our new location as well. Uh, but eventually, of course, with all this space, our goal is to build something many magnitudes larger, uh, kind of in the vein of uh, the Gorge or Red Rocks and kind of get that 8,000 to, to 12,000 ish uh, seat capacity venue. Um, because it's it's a great location it's close enough to town um, we don't have a ton of really big venues in montana most of them are uh, university stadiums or baseball stadiums and they're not designed really for music so the listening experience isn't isn't always ideal uh, and all of us kind of in in management and ownership at the company are are big into music so we wanted to you know for for selfish reasons as well as for community <laughs> reasons uh, i thought it'd be pretty awesome to have uh, a nice big music venue in our backyard. So, oh, for those of you guys out there listening who can't, we're, we're actually doing this over Zoom, so we get to see the room where, where you're in. Um, you've got guitars all over the wall, you got piano back there, you've got some keyboards, so you're not, you're not just blowing smoke about being a mu music lover, you're not just a fan, you're actually a participant, aren't you? I, uh, I dabble, I like to say. You dabble, uh, so you wanna yeah. build your own Red Rock so you can play. On stage. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, that'll be my, my first purchase once that venue's open. I'll probably go get a, a full stack Marshall amplifier and, uh, and bounce some guitar licks off the nearby mountain ranges, of which you can see six from the property. Wow. Uh, <laughs> just to make it sound like a commercial. Uh, no, I'm, I'm definitely uh, into the music. Big big on the listening. Uh, as you can see, yeah, the, the listeners can't see, but I've got about eight guitars uh, up on the walls around me here, mostly electric uh, and then I've got a, a Gibson acoustic on the wall behind me, which th those are manufactured actually here in Bozeman. Um, so that's pretty cool. I've actually been to that factory and seen where they make those guitars. Uh, the keyboards and piano uh, come from 
um, an agreement with my wife that uh, I have enough guitars. So, <laughs> uh, and since, since I've always been a hobby for me, uh, you know, piano and things like that, it's just one of those things where I find it's a lot easier to maybe map out ideas or, or uh, kind of see how the music theory aligns itself. Um, but this guitar actually behind me here uh, belonged to my wife's great grandmother. It's actually a player piano. Um, wow. and so that's, uh, made in made in los angeles at some point in the uh, late 70s early 80s and we've been been hanging on to it so do you play in a band i don't no i'm no. one of those people who's who's more than happy to kind of shut myself uh, off in my little studio here uh it is helpful for with my kids especially my my older two kids i've got uh, almost 13 year old twins which makes me feel very old to say that um <laughs> and in in normal time when they have school and things like that uh it's great for uh, them to be able to rehearse for choir or for band um and just kind of hear you know and do some fun stuff with the music as opposed to just playing with other uh you know kids of varying ability levels um you know, it's kind of fun for them to get to, to play with effects and have some fun with it as opposed to just learning the, the stuff the, the teachers want them to. <laughs> nice. So your love of music, does that transfer into um, a specific type of music or song that you have to have while brewing? No, no. I'm uh, kind of an equal opportunity music listener. Um, uh, thankfully, I, I'm blessed to work with uh, folks who are, are younger and have more diverse musical tastes than I do. So <laughs> where I, I like to get into happy little ruts uh, of, of certain albums or artists and things like that. So working with, uh, you know, a lot of uh, college age and a little younger people in our restaurant exposes me to a lot of other different types of music, which is fantastic. But I'll pretty much listen to anything. I've got a big, uh, we've, we've got a uh, vinyl set up downstairs uh, in our theater. And so I'm big on everything from musicals and soundtracks, uh, especially, you know, like Little Shop of Horrors, any, anything by, uh, by Alan Menken, um, everything all the way up through like Steely Dan or Pink Floyd, you know, all the way to, to hip hop. So. Nice. Wow. Yeah. Good. Good. So, um, would you also say, cause you mentioned that there's a lot of music, well, obviously with the brewery, do you think Bridger Brewing is known kind of for some of its, music does it have like a music themed tap room i hate to say it because we haven't been there yet but sure <laughs> yeah we're uh we're definitely known for our uh, we do a big back to school show every year uh and in fact last year i think was our first year we couldn't do one so we typically run maybe three or four shows during uh the summer uh kind of culminating with that big back to school uh show for the university and it's kind of a fun uh late evening affair goes to you know uh, 11 or 12 ish whenever the uh, the noise ordinance in the city tells us to knock it off um, so we are known for that I think that's one thing we want to improve upon as well uh, is you know Montana's already such a, a destination for recreation from skiing in the winter to, to hiking or mountain biking uh, the rest of the year uh, we kind of want to add some more fun music experiences to that we've got a lot of great venues here uh, but they tend to be on the smaller side and so um, it limits a little bit uh, who you can attract as far as a band or, or a performer coming through because they'll only play certain size venues and given our location kind of between the gorge and red rocks uh, most most major artists are going to pass through here anyway so we thought it'd be a, a fun opportunity to kind of add a draw uh, to the area as well. 
Love it. Okay. So this is kind of on a personal level and it's really kind of funny that I'm going to ask this question uh -oh. because I told Kenny not to ask it because he loves <laughs> to get into the like liquor laws. But so how does, cause I know Montana's brewery is closed at eight. Um, how does that yes. affect you when you're trying to have a concert that goes to later? Can you still serve or do you have a different license to do that? And like I said, I yeah. told Kenny not to go down this rabbit hole, but I was really curious about that with concerts. Yeah, it, it definitely is a rabbit hole. In fact, uh, a colleague of mine before I moved to Montana who used to brew out here uh, warned me. He said, well, you know, have, have fun with that. It's, <laughs> yeah. uh, it is a rabbit hole for sure. Um, so under Montana law, most breweries uh, in the state, we have about 92 breweries. Most of them operate under what's called a tasting room exemption, meaning they're, they're a brewery primarily, and then they have, uh, you know, an air quote, a tasting room. For all intents and purposes, it looks either like a restaurant or a bar or something like that. To, to folks from other states. There's no visual difference, but it does mean we have certain restrictions. So uh, as you alluded to there, we, we have to stop serving alcohol uh, at 8 p.m. Uh, they do have until 9 p.m. to finish it, um, but that does you know mean kind of a 7.45-ish last call. Um, we can only serve alcohol that's brewed at that location. So no guest taps, no uh, wine, no cider, none of that fun stuff uh, to kind of diversify our offerings. Uh, and then we, of course, are, are probably most famous for our serving limit, uh, three pints per person per day. So uh, a lot of a lot of tourists, especially, are very surprised when they come here and they'll go to any any tasting room in the state and uh, they'll come in and you'll get a ticket with your first pint. And that's how they keep track of, of how much you've consumed. Uh, it doesn't apply if you want to like take a growler, for example, or a crowler to go, you can do that. There's no limit on those. Um, but yeah, it's definitely makes, makes for an interesting, um, business climate. Um, you know, of course I, I serve on the board as well. So we deal with this, uh, at a legislative level. Um, and, and the, the public is kind of of two minds, you know, we have a very firmly entrenched, uh, system with how, um, liquor laws work here and how much liquor licenses cost, for example, um, especially here in Bozeman, things are very expensive. If you wanted to go buy a liquor license to open a new bar, for example, you'd probably be looking at uh, upwards of $800,000 just for the liquor license. Uh, and that varies from community to community because it's based on population. So obviously in, in high uh, draw cities like Bozeman, Helena, Great Falls, Billings, um, Missoula, it's, uh, there's, there's a shortage, right? So it's it's definitely interesting. Then, of course, we get the consumer side where uh, folks like a, a good friend of mine, Jake Tassell, who grows hops out here during the summer, of course, we have beautiful sunlight till, you know, after 10 p.m. And if you're a farmer or working in agriculture in any sense, you're working and you work until the light's gone and then you come in and you know, Jake doesn't get to come to my brewery, for example, uh, and, and pick up a beer. You know, he has to wait till his day off or, uh, you know, hopefully I've maybe uh, brought a growler home and he can swing by my house and have a, have a pint on the porch. But uh, it's, it's definitely takes some getting used to. Is there any indication that, that any of those laws could be changed anytime soon? Or I know there's been people in the past trying to uh, – at least extend the the hours of operation. Sure. Um, 
Yeah, the, yeah, there are ongoing efforts. We do have a, a coalition that we work with with our alcohol industry partners. So um, everyone from, um, you know, the distillers to the bar owners to the distributors, we're, we're constantly in talks. Montana's legislators only meet every two years. So it kind of gives us an off year between sessions to kind of get our ducks in a row and, and agree to some stuff. And, and we, we do have a, a strong history of trying to work together to find equitable stuff. But it's tough. You know, we, we want to be mindful our, our coalition partners for example the bar owners have spent a lot of money on on these licenses and uh for us to be open later of course there's the argument that we're going to be stepping into their benefits um whereas you know folks might come and have beer at my place until eight or, and finish by nine and then if they want to go out after that they're going to go somewhere else and go to a bar so um whereas that might not happen uh, under a different licensing structure. So it's, like I said, it's a constant conversation uh, working with our partners, but uh, it's been a uh, fun learning experience as well uh, over the last uh, eight years that I've been here. Interesting. Well, on that note, I guess you could say, where do you see like the future of craft beer heading? That's a great question. They're just yeah. in or Montana or... Yeah, I mean, we're in Montana. It's a little interesting because of course, uh, most of the state is so rural. So it, it beer trends, it seems like, are a little slower to catch on here. Um, overall, craft beer-wise, I see our kind of diversity trend increasing, not just in terms of uh, who's working in the industry and who's drinking the product, which will, you know, bring, you know, new new creative ideas uh, to beer styles, either new beer styles like we've seen in the past few years with, um, you know, the, the takeoff of hazies or, or brewed IPAs or, you know, the rise of, of uh, fruited sours and things like that. Um, I think that's great. And that's going to continue. And we might even continue to see things kind of evolving beyond uh, style guidelines. Um, and so I think that's an exciting place to be where we're trying to, to keep up as opposed to um, kind of legislating from the top with beer style guidelines and things like that. Um, you know, obviously we've seen big, big increases in the number of breweries offering seltzers, offering non-alcoholic beers, de-alkalized beer. I think that trend is only going to grow as well um, as our um, customer demographics shift. Uh, you know, we have a lot more consumers who are, are health conscious uh, as far as their uh, alcohol choices go. And so they're looking for things that are, you know, lower in alcohol, lower in calories, things like that, without sacrificing the creativity and the flavor and, and the fun of the beer that makes it, you know, the reason why we choose to drink that over maybe some of the macro uh, options. So that's kind of what I'm seeing, you know, as, uh, personally, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, gluten-free and gluten-reduced options as well will continue to grow to meet the demands of, of customers who are uh, celiac and uh, gluten intolerant. How about some like um, from Bridger Brewing, um, like accomplishments or achievements or some major milestones? milestones. Sure. Well, I think I think the fact that we're still in business after uh, eight <laughs> years that's that's a pretty big one. Yeah. Um, you know we've we've got the I guess you know the the traditional accomplishments, right? We've we've won some medals. We've taken gold at GABF for uh, for our English style brown ale. Uh, gold for our coffee stout of the North America, formerly known as the North American Beer Awards, now the International Beer Awards. Um, our pizza, we have fantastic pizza. You'll see that when you come up to visit. Uh, we've actually, our pizza's been named uh, by Zaga, best pizza in Montana. So we, we've got uh, a litany, you know, as far as the Bozeman Awards, uh, best place for a first date. I mean, there's there's just too, too many really to name. Lots of <laughs> Lots of fun stuff. One other thing that's kind of an anomaly 
to Montana breweries is Scotch Ale. Sure. Is that like a requirement for entry into the craft beer scene in, in, as a brewery in Montana? It is, yeah. If you don't do a Scotch Ale, they'll exile you to Wyoming. That's what I've heard. Um, yeah, I don't know what the deal is with that. Dustin, one of the, the craft sales manager here, um, is on the podcast with us, but he's being very quiet and just listening. But his reaction to this is just quite funny. So I just had to say that he's just like kind of ducking his head. And <laughs> but it's true. It's true. If you go to any craft brewery in Montana, almost to a T, they're going to have a Scotch Ale on tap. And I'm, I have yet to figure out why that is. So, <laughs> well, consumer demand, uh, yeah. you know, it's, Obviously, you know, the elephant in the room for Montana as far as Scotch Ales go is, is cold smoke from, uh, from yeah. Kettle House Brewing. It's fantastic beer. And it, it really is one of those ubiquitous brands uh, when people from out of state think about Monta- Monta- pardon me, Montana beer. Um, you typically have Moose Drool, um, which is from Big Sky Brewing, and then you have Cold Smoke, which is from Kettle House. So um, we just get so many tourists that, uh, you know, after after a year or two of people coming in and saying, Hey, what do you have for a Scotch ale? Uh, you know, if you say <laughs> nothing, you know, um, you might not have a, have a sale there. So it does kind of feel like a requirement. Uh, we tend to have fun with it a little bit. You know, we've, we've brewed a couple of different Scotch ales over, uh, the few, you know, the eight years that we've been open. Um, but, uh, yeah, cold smoke is kind of the, the big dog, uh, in the state as far as that goes. Okay. So Daniel, what do you have for brewing right now for a Scotch ale? Uh, we have our high traverse Scotch ale. So that's, a, and that's a little different than cold smoke in that we actually use um, kind of a fun um, smoked malt. It's not a peated malt, but it's a lightly smoked malt that we get from one of our uh, malt partners. Uh, and that's kind of a, a subtle smokiness, which I think if I, if I cast my mind back to the style guidelines, uh, there is an allowance in there somewhere for a smoky character. Uh, can be with or without smoked malt. Uh, we did. We used to do one before that uh, called our McTavish Scotch Ale. Uh, and that was a little lighter Scotch Ale in terms of color uh, compared to something like Cold Smoke. And we actually, uh, we would take part of that, we would barrel age it uh, and then blend it back in as kind of an ode to Scotch uh, and how, you know, Scotch is, is aged and used bourbon barrels and then uh, sold back to folks. Um, but yeah, we, we just, we like to mix it up, so... What, always looking for new takes on it. What else would you say? So that Scotch Ale is definitely Montana. Just something that we've noticed right away. But what do you think Bridger Brewing is kind of more known for? What would someone go to Bridger Brewing for? Uh, well, the biggest thing would be that all of our beers are gluten reduced. And it's been that way since we opened. Um, so we actually have a pretty, we don't advertise it at all. Um, but we have a very loyal following. Uh, and if you know, folks are, are gluten sensitive or gluten intolerant. Uh, there's a whole network of, of resources uh, that kind of get the word out about who and where you can go to shop and, and eat and all that good stuff. So we've definitely made that a priority. We, we uh, have been doing it, like I said, since 2013. Uh, we were one of the first breweries in the country to do enzymatic uh, treatment of, of gluten in beer. Um, so of course, it's not technically gluten-free, but uh, 
you know, it is, it is below the FDA testing threshold, uh, which opens it up to a lot more folks. So it's, it's kind of fun when you see customers come in and uh, they ask if they, if you have a gluten-free option, uh, we explain that, you know, yes, we do. We have gluten reduced options uh, and it's actually every single one of the beers on the board. So whether it's our uh, Dortmunder lager or it's all the way up to our barley wine and everything in between uh, and just being able to see their eyes kind of light up. Uh, you know, a lot of breweries are doing enzymatic um, treatment of, of beers now, but they might only offer one or two options. Um, and it may not be a style that the customer's into. Um, so it's uh, for us, that's, that's kind of what we, we like to hang our hat on there, the, the diversity there. Uh, otherwise we're just known for trying new stuff. You know, that was one kind of uh, misconception I had when I moved to Montana. I had never been here before, uh, before I accepted the job. I'd never uh, been anywhere near a place that gets this cold uh, or with mountains this high. And I had this kind of notion that, well, of course it's Montana, right? It's going to be a big logger state and, I'm just going to happily resign myself to brewing Pilsners and my box and all sorts of delicious lager. And then it's like, Oh wait, no, you're on a college campus. Uh, and it's a pretty diverse uh, city for the state. So you're actually going to be like half your beers are going to be hops uh, coming out of every pour uh, and then sour beers and, you know, just tons of different varieties. So for us, we, we just like to rotate through things and try a new stuff. That's the other thing we're really known for is we, uh, we're not afraid to let our flagships kind of run out uh, as long as we have kind of a fun option for folks trying and, you know, trying new recipes, trying new hops, trying new grain. Uh, we're, we're open for anything. And then also you said that you're on a college campus. Do you do anything? Is there like a brewing program on the college that you're at? Is there any kind of match up with that or collaboration? Uh, there's not at the moment. We're on the uh, just off the campus of Montana State University, uh, which is the big science uh, university here in Montana. Um, we don't have an official brewing program here. There are a few uh, at some of the community colleges around the state, and they did have. I'm not sure if it's still going. They had a program at their Billings campus of MSU, MSUB. Um, that we actually had uh, some interns from a couple of years ago, but uh, haven't seen anything since. No, we do a lot of work with uh, like their sustainable food systems programs. Um, I always give a talk every year to their careers in microbiology course, uh, just to kind of let uh, students know that, you know, just because you're going into microbiology, there's kind of this like, there's a whole fun side, not to disparage other microbiology careers, but let's be real here. Um, <laughs> the ability to go and get paid to go to brew festivals is probably a lot better than sitting in a lab all day. I don't, I'm just speaking for myself. Um, <laughs> and, and so we, yeah, we, we give tours to the folks from like the, they've a huge uh, engineering school here. Um, so we, we talk to chemical engineers, we talk to their industrial engineers. Um, yeah. So we're, we're very involved with the school, but there's no official brewing program. I, I like that you're still involved with that piece of it. Um, there's so many, I mean, the science behind brewing is absolutely ridiculous. And there's so, the people that we've interviewed, so many people have gone from, you know, biology or microbiology to chemistry and into beer or anything like that. And like the yeast studies and it's just, it's quite, um, what's, it's intriguing really to me. I think it's really great. So on that thing, um, you might be better asking this question, but I don't know if you know I'm going to ask. So I'm not sure because I want to, well, we have Dustin on here too from Malt Europe. And I was just curious about like the enzymes and with like gluten-free and the malting and stuff. How does that kind of come together? Does that, does that work when you go with your malting company or do you guys do something special with that with Malt Europe or how, I don't know, like I said, I'm going to show my, 
unknown? Sure. No, it, no, it's a great question. So we, you know, we, we take uh, our malt from Malt Europe. Uh, it's malted uh, up, up the road in air quotes, uh, several hours away up in Great Falls, uh, just north of us. Uh, and, and we don't ask I mean, them to do in, anything in special. In Montana speak, a few hours is right up the road. It is, totally. So that's, that's you, no you big have deal. to calibrate yourself properly. Right. That's why it's, you need the Scotch Ale, because you've just, you've gone to see your neighbor, but he was an hour and a half away. So you need something a little more substantive. Right. So yeah, for us, I guess Great Falls would be about an eight-hour round trip. Um, so just up the road, it's not bad. It's a be- beautiful time of year for a road trip. Uh, but we don't ask Malt Europe to do anything special uh, with the malt. We, uh, you know, with the with the uh, enzymes that we're able to get these days, uh, we we brew the beer normally, uh, and then we dose um, just at the start of fermentation, kind of mix the enzyme in. And so as uh, as the yeast starts getting getting going, all the uh, the gluten's been denatured already at that point. Okay. Well, I, yeah. Dustin's a great guy. They have to do something special for you. <laughs> so many, so many special things for me. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of like vendors in you know Malt Europe, for example, or any other vendors that you have, like during COVID and during any kind of trouble issues or anything that you happen to have when you're brewing or anything like that, how does like your vendors and your community? How do you see support coming from them? Yeah, well, the, the support has been incredible uh, and, you know, at times o- overwhelming. Um, of course, our, our customers have been fantastic. We're blessed with a really strong community here in Bozeman uh, and folks, you know, throughout COVID as we've had to kind of adjust how we sell to customers. You know, when we first uh, closed down, we were only available for to-go and folks were great about calling in orders and, and picking up orders and things like that. Um, our vendors, of course, uh, have been phenomenal as far as adjusting to um, the change in production. I mean, it's been massive, right? You know, I'm not just just speaking for ourselves. We're, we've been down about 30%. I know other breweries are kind of all over the map. Uh, so being flexible with, um, you know, delivery commitments and, and payment terms from our vendors has been a big help. Um, as we're ramping back up, obviously just being able to have the conversations of here is where we are currently and, and them being very understanding and being responsive to where we're at while of course they're trying to run their own business, right. And deal with the same pandemic we're all dealing with. Um, but we've had, you know, our vendors help us find uh, PPE when, when there were shortages kind of at the beginning of, uh, of the pandemic, we've had, um, you know, advice from like our chemical suppliers on how to adjust our cleaning regimens to accommodate for um, spraying down and, and sanitizing tables and other surfaces and things like that. So it's been a really awesome group effort and it really kind of speaks to the community as a whole in craft beer about how, you know, we can kind of rely on each other, even though we are, you know, air quotes competitors. Um, everybody's willing to give advice and kind of share resources and, and help each other out. Cause we're all in the, all in this together. You know um, if, if one of us goes down, there may be a hole in the market, but you know, that's going to ripple upstream and hurt our suppliers as well. And that's, that's jobs. Uh, and, you know, here in Montana, obviously with uh, malt Europe, we've got Montana farmers uh, who work really hard to produce, you know, the best grain in the country. And, uh, you know, so it's very important for us to be able to continue to support that and grow that industry and, you know, help those jobs as well. Um, 
you know, our st- I've got to speak to our staff, of course, as well uh, during this, the support we've had from our staff and, and the flexibility to uh, accommodate the changes we've had to implement has been huge as well. Um, it's been a learning experience for everybody about how to adapt to new cleaning regimens and, and ways of doing business and, you know, having to learn how to primarily shift from maybe a face-to-face interaction to dealing with people on the phone uh, or taking online orders, you know, uh, adapting to delivery or curbside pickups. It's, it's required a ton of flexibility from our staff and uh, they've been fantastic uh, about helping us kind of navigate these crazy times. That's what they are. Okay. So what is your favorite style of beer? Oh, this is such a loaded question. Right? Um, <laughs> it's so loaded. It depends, right? I mean, just like always, uh, I'm sure that's probably the most common answer you get. It depends on what I'm doing. Uh, I personally really gravitate towards loggers. Um, you know, they're just uh, a good logger is just so much fun. Uh, it's hard to do. Um, you know, if I'm, if I'm out with my friends though, or, or visiting a new brewery or somebody has a new seasonal on tap, then of course we're going to be trying that. Um, but yeah, personally, I, I generally gravitate towards loggers in general and, and tend to be on the lighter spectrum. So anything from kind of Pilsners to my box, uh, you know, there's, there's plenty of cold weather, uh, here during the winter, but, uh, sitting outside in, in the hot summer with a, a really well done Pilsner is, uh, is a lot of fun. Maybe, I was just going to say, plus when you try a Pilsner, especially from other brewers, you get to throw that little judgment out there and see how good they really are. (laughs) Oh, we don't talk about that. Yeah, no, that it is. I mean, if you know, if you go to a brewery, if they've got a really well done uh, Pilsner uh, or something else that's really light like that, you you know, it's a pretty safe bet. The rest of their beers are at least going to be solid offerings. So definitely a a confidence. Yeah, it's a, it's more of a confidence vote. You know, yeah. we're appreciating their skill. They've done something very difficult. I mean, it takes a lot of gall to, to put out a logger for judgment, right? Yep. So absolutely. Kudos to them. Do, do you think you can handle, I don't know. Let's see. I'm going to throw a question out that I didn't give to you ahead of time. Uh-oh. Let's oh. see. All right. <laughs> Let's see if you get it. Like if okay. you get where I'm going. What's your favorite worst beer? My favorite worst beer. Ooh, there's something very satisfying about a macro logger <laughs> if you're at like a baseball game or a football game or i don't know what you know it's like one of the few times i'll i'll like or if i'm you know montana obviously hunting is really big and popular there's something about if you've been hiking all over creation uh and then you wind up in a sports bar in the middle of nowhere in montana and you they <laughs> crack open a bottle of Coors banquet yeah it just it just hits the spot. I don't know what it is. Uh, I mean, it's a very well done beer. It's not for everybody. Obviously, craft breweries uh, like to give macros uh, a hard time, but they do a darn good job of that. Uh, or the other thing, what was the other one I had recently? Uh, kind of speaks to this. Um, we went. Uh, I, did, I picked picked up sushi from uh, a local place here in town called Dave Sushi, and uh, rather than make an extra stop, I asked if they wanted to sell me some cans of. Uh, Oh, Sapporo and they were out and so I ended up with a Chinese lager that I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce the name because I'll butcher it uh, and it was in green glass bottles and it was oh, just no. like it's brewed in China so I don't know how long it takes to get over here and you open it and you kind of smell it and you're like oh okay well it's light struck yep that's <laughs> fine but for, for oh okay yeah Dustin threw it out there Sing Tao. Oh, no. 
There we go. And you know what? It hit the spot with the sushi. It was kind of like, all right, we're in, we're in it. So I just love, might as well do it. I just love that you understood exactly what I was asking. <laughs> <laughs> I try. I try. <laughs> yeah. That's good. All right. I, will, I will interject a little bit and say that Daniel is in no way alone in that. I think there's something, there's something almost liberating when you're in craft beer and, and, and you actually alluded to it. It's that moment when you walk into a new brewery and you look and you see the Pilsner and you're like, I really want to try it, but I kind of want to don't. Cause then like, then I'm going to make a judgment and then there's going to be, there's going to be this moment where they ask what I think and I have to evaluate it and go through it and break it down. And I think there's something for folks who are in the industry in, in any of the ways that the three of us are about just having beer. There's something redeeming and good about that where I don't need to break it down. I don't need to analyze it. There's no expectation. I know what I'm getting. Sure. I'm going to crack it open and I'm going to enjoy a beer. Um, and there's a consistency factor on those big guys, you know, that yeah. we might not enjoy quite as much on the craft beer side. You know, if I, the reason I went and asked for cans of Sapporo, I know what it's like. Those cans are super consistent. Uh, it's the same experience every single time. Uh, and that's, you know, that's one reason, like when I go home uh, at the end of the day, I don't, I tend not to drink a lot of my own beer when I'm at home because of what Dustin was just saying, you know, there's this uh, kind of unconscious judgment you level at yourself where, Ooh, is this, you know, where is this batch kind of fitting in the, in the grand scheme here? Is this to spec? Is it out of spec? Ooh, what is that? Did I taste something off there? Or, you know, it's just not relaxing. And so it's really nice to be able to just relax and have a beer and not worry about being asked your opinion, you know, especially if you're going into one of your colleagues breweries and it's like, Oh, try this new milkshake IPA or try this pastry stout. It's like, I just want to have some food truck tacos and a beer, dude. Like, I just want to hang out. Let's just chat. Let's not be like, well, I think the lactose in here is totally overdone and you've embarrassed yourself in the whole industry. You know, <laughs> you, get, you get no points. Yep. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Zero on the, on the, on the card from the judges. It's the same thing. Sometimes, I mean, you just want a beer. You just want to drink yeah. and enjoy the beer. That's yep. the fun of beer, right? You know, that's one thing when I, when I spoke at the beginning, but uh, diversifying our consumer base is we have to be uh, willing to let folks in and, and kind of strip away any sort of um, snobbish uh, pretenses. It, it's just not, you know, there's, there's a, I remember when I first got into the industry, there was definitely kind of a subculture of that. And, and it seems to have kind of faded a little bit in the last 10 years, which has been great. And it's, it's definitely more open now. But, uh, you know, if you don't have to taste every, you know, little molecule of what's happening in the beer to enjoy it, just enjoy it. Yeah. It's good to remind ourselves of that every once in a while. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. And the last one then, speaking of going back to craft beer, if you were a beer, what beer oh. would you be? That's another loaded question. Um, so you mentioned craft beer though. And if I was a beer, I probably would be a Guinness Genuine Draft, not a craft beer for many reasons. Uh, I'm actually originally from Ireland and that is kind of the beer of Ireland, uh, like it or not. Um, anytime I go back to visit family, I mean, it's just, you know, as I watch the growth of the Irish craft beer scene um, from afar and then going back and visiting, you usually end up in a pub with your family drinking pints of Guinness. It's just what you do. Not, not Beamish or Murphy's? 
Well, unfortunately, Beamish is gone. Oh, uh, is it? Really? I, did, I did. Yeah, I used to actually have a really cool old poster, uh, uh, like almost like a tin tacker uh, from Beamish. Um, yeah, I used to enjoy Beamish quite a bit, but uh, yeah, I can't get it anymore. And that's an, another perk of, you know, them not being a craft brewery, I guess, is the fact that I can get really good nitrogenated Guinness Genuine Draft all the way, what am I, about 4,000 miles away from home. Uh, I can still get it in a can. It tastes remarkably close. Uh, it's not quite the same as on draft. Uh, it definitely pours a lot faster than if you ever go get a pint <laughs> finger there. Yep. You can answer the question about a craft beer if you'd like, but I think your answer was perfectly said. And I mean, if when you're in Ireland, like, come on, that's what you drink. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and right. you just said it perfectly. It warmed my heart. I'm like, yeah, when you're in Ireland, <laughs> you're sitting at a pub and you're just drinking pints yeah. of Guinness. It's it's the history. Sounds it's lovely. Experience. Yeah. That's it. Does well, anyone do you have anything else to add or? Not really. No, I thought that was a lot of fun. But it's it's nice to kind of let you reflect a little bit because it's been kind of so go 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 as we're starting to ramp back up here um okay how did that go oh yeah i am grateful for my awesome vendors like dustin and you know our chemical suppliers and all those folks and our staff and and being able to to thank them uh, for all the crazy hard work i mean it's really been you know the full the full scale of all this i guess from you know i I think dustin you were probably in that last webinar i was just in about mental health uh, in the brewing industry you know the full scale of this whole thing we're not going to know it maybe ever you know right. apart from the lives lost the jobs lost all that but there's going to be the the mental toll so it's you know it's going to be something where you know it's helpful to to look back and realize what you're grateful for and you know kind of try look on the positive side yeah definitely definitely yeah no it's so you're you're totally right about the flexibility it's just been everybody's you know got to be looking out for everyone to be successful you know i i'm not going to be successful if daniel isn't going to be successful he's not going to be successful if people aren't buying aren't buying his beer you know and coming in to get pizza whether it's takeout or or in-house or whatever so if he's not doing the things he needs to do to make people feel comfortable and to encourage that sort of community and to support the people around him then the rest of it doesn't matter and if i'm not being flexible and getting you know, working with him to get him what he needs when he needs it. And, and just like all of his other suppliers do, like, you know, the, the way that we all, we all get through this in general, but especially with COVID, is by being more responsive to each other's needs and, and by, being, by being able to adapt. And that's, I think, one of the reasons that, while Daniel's right, like the craft beer industry has seen a lot of closures. I think it's seen far fewer than it could have because our entire industry is based on how do I do something that's never been done before? And how do I make myself successful doing what I want to do? So this whole industry is already all about figuring out how to do things that you haven't done and adapting and changing and changing the market to be what you want it to be to some extent. Um, So I think COVID was, was obviously is obviously a big challenge, but it's one that our industry is like, been about as prepared for, I think, as you probably could be. Just yeah. attitude and, and capability and mental space. Yeah, I like that. Well said, Dustin. Well, thanks again for the invite, guys. And it was always, always fun to chat the industry. And Dustin, thank you for the opportunity and in inviting me to, yeah. to speak today. No, cool. I, I appreciate it, buddy. I, like I told you, I thought you'd be the perfect person to do this. And I, I have not changed my opinion yet. 
Nope. I appreciate that. <laughs> Thank right. you all. All right, guys. Catch Talk soon. Cheers. Bye. Cheers, guys. So earlier, Kenny, at the end of our introduction, before Daniel came on to talk, you mentioned something about we'll save the baby eagles for later. And then <laughs> so then I was actually listening um, at the end when Daniel and Dustin, whom, by the way, you guys, if you've listened to a few of our other podcasts, I think Dustin was on there with a couple of the other brewers. Um, he's the Malt Europe, one of the Malt Europe salescraft managers. And so he was on there just kind of, you know, hanging out and listening to the conversation. But when Dustin and Daniel were kind of talking about being grateful and flexible and adaptable, it just it made that connection for some reason with the Eagles. Because, yes, it's amidst a pandemic and there's a lot of, um, just a lot of, uh, and just down, what's the word I'm looking for? Just not feeling well and you're not just, you're not feeling right with the world and it's just kind of a strange time and stuff. But at the same time, Daniel said it too, like you still have to, that gives you that time to like look back and feel grateful. And so spring is that, that time as well. It's just like that kind of like re rebirth and like giving life and feeling grateful for what's coming up and feeling the warm sunshine and just like the, the newness of things. And that's kind of what it feels like now as we kind of coming out of this pandemic. And so when you mentioned the eagles that we saw, the baby eagles, that's kind of what it is. It's like there's always life and hope and all that in everything. You just have to be able to put up the crap too. So and those baby eagles were kind of cool to see that. And now you have to explain wow. what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, because you're all like, what the hell are you talking about baby eagles for? <laughs> um, so, yeah, we had to go through the crap of April making me hike up a mountain, which actually wasn't crap. It was a nice hike. And we're hiking along this trail by one of the places we were camped during our little pre-American Craft Beer Week tour. And we're hiking up, and we come around this curve, and we're we're way up on this like kind of a cliff overlooking a river. And just as we come around the curve, it's like you just stop stunned because there's almost eye level with us walking. There's this eagle sitting up in the tree, bald eagle. And so you're just standing there going, wow, that's pretty epic. You know, it's like eye level. And as we walk closer to it, we got up to maybe 100, 150 feet away from it. And it's still just sitting there. And then you notice, oh, wow, that's a huge nest next to this giant eagle. And then you see two little fuzzy heads pop up out of the nest. And you got these little little baby eagles making noises and chirping and stuff. And you see the, you know, the, the, the eagles, the, the adult eagle is sitting there just kind of watching over the babies and stuff. It was pretty cool. And then, um, to connect into that a little bit, a short time later, after our hike, we'd come back to our camp and we see this osprey flying over the river with a fish in its talons. And then it drops the fish and you hear it thud on the shore and you're like, what the hell? Why did it drop? And then within seconds there are these two giant bald eagles chasing after it. So you learn really quick why that osprey dropped that fish. He dropped the fish and one of the big eagles swooped down and grabbed that fish. And then they turned and flew back, I presume, 
towards the babies probably to to feed them. <laughs> you can't see Kenny when he's telling the story, epic. but he's perfect. He's like super animated. Like he's when you talking about <laughs> dropping down and catching the fish, his whole hand goes like down to the ground. He like his his arm his uh, hand catches the fish. Like he's doing this all animated. So if you could see him, yeah, you would get this whole video feel for what he's doing. Yeah, if you when we see each other in person someday, just ask me the story and I'll give you the whole hand gesture thing. It's story, full fledged tactile talons and all but yeah it was pretty epic and and that's a good way to put it though because it is kind of a time where i think a lot of us are you know a lot of people i i don't think we had a very hard year we were pretty lucky through this we whole as time. in you and me yeah you and me you and me um i feel like our lifestyle and just what we were what we've been involved with doing over the last year or so has i don't know it we didn't get too stressed out, but I know a lot of people that did and I understand why. And, and there are some people I don't understand why, but I think another thing that Daniel talked in there, hang on a second. April's like, what are you talking about? And I'm, but Daniel mentioned in there too, is the whole, um, the stress of it and the mental side of it coming out of it. And another thing that may is besides having American craft beer week, is Mental Health Awareness Month. And I think that's an important thing to talk about too because I think it's good for us to like remember we're all a community and to make sure you check in with each other occasionally and say, hey, how's it going? And really mean it and listen to each other. Okay, so on that note, along with the flexibility and adaptability and like what you're saying and checking in with people and having mm-hmm. a community and being grateful and all that, um, whether you like TV or not in... Grey's Anatomy is a show that I watch and it's a full on soap opera and it's so much drama and there's so many times that I think I should just stop watching it because it drives me crazy however I'm kind of in it however there was an episode that there was a quote that I wrote down and I actually put it up on social media because I loved it and it was just kind of perfect and this whole episode of what we're talking about with rebirth and life and just struggles and all that made me think of this quote so um, it's from Grey's Anatomy yes but it was good so I'm reading it because Like I said, I wrote it down. So what's the thing that caused the grief, the loss, the pain? The depths of grief that you felt with all the losses is because of the depth of love. So as long as you're alive, you get to feel it and you get to do something about it. And don't waste one single minute. I just like, yeah, the depths of grief you feel are because of the depths of love you feel. So I I think that's a great quote. So I just love that, that. That makes sense. And Tanya. Yeah. Wow, we're going down. <laughs> no, <laughs> like we're not going cheesy. down. No, we're Getting not going cheesy. cheesy. It's, it's inspirational. good. So. These are the things we need to make yeah. sure we talk about with each other. Because it's, I mean, if you care, if you give a shit about somebody, say something to them. Yeah. It's and okay. Whether... Don't, don't let those days go by where you just go, oh, I should have, I could have said something and. You know what? Sometimes just a little smile or just a little quick conversation with somebody is all it takes to turn somebody's day around. And so. whether that conversation is over a craft beer at some new craft brewery and you're analyzing the heck out of that craft beer, or whether it's over a Coors or a Miller or a... Or a Coca-Cola. No, or a Coca-Cola or a, <laughs> a Guinness or what else did... Uh, well, there was some Sing Pao or whatever it is that you are liking to drink, whatever that conversation over, it doesn't have to be like 
analyze. They can just be over some good beer because, you know, sometimes, most times, like we've always said, yeah, the beer is good, but it's not always about the beer. It's about the conversations in the community. Yeah. Good? Yeah, I can't really add anything more to that. Okay. I don't know. I mean, except, I'm just going to ramble on if I keep going. Except you can add on. Ooh, you can add on something about community. What can you add on about community for us? I would add on that if you haven't already signed up for Camp Carpe Diem in URA in Colorado. In October? In early October, you really should check out the website and think about it. Or just sign up. Or just sign up. At C-A-M-P-C-A-R-P-E-D-I-E-M dot com. Camp Carpe Diem dot com. Check it out, um, you know. We're going to do some more community building, and we'd love to see you guys there. It's about photography and yoga and hiking and mountain biking and beer and community and, like, maybe playing some, you know, fun games and just, like, hanging out and campfires and marshmallows and potlucks and, yeah. Nomad potluck. Awesome. Those are the best kind. (laughs) Also, um, make sure you subscribe. This is your line. Subscribe. Leave a review. Share the podcast with your friends. Actually, if you're on Apple Podcasts, follow now. It's not subscribe anymore. They changed it to follow. I don't know what that means. Just do it. And, uh, yeah. All right. Share the podcast with your buddies. Yeah. And, ooh, and a special, again, shout-out to Daniel. Thank you for the tour of the brewery and the beers. It was so great to actually see and meet up with people for these podcasts. Yeah, with that, cheers. Did you like that cheers? Yes, that was good. That was a good cheers? All right. Peace out. (laughs) We'd love to hear from you, so keep the conversation going. Send us a note, share a beer recommendation or two, or just say hey. This Stout Conversation has been brought to you by livingastoutlife.com, where you can find community and resources for all your craft beer travel and adventure lifestyle needs.